0: Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Hey everyone, Chris here. Just as a heads up, I was an idiot, very adequate again, and I forgot to hit record, so we had to scrape this from the Twitch broadcast. There might be some Twitch alerts that go off in the middle of this, just letting you know. My apologies, we'll try to be less adequate next time. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Hey, you know where to find us. You know where we're at. We'll never leave you. We'll always be here. Live on Twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Slash, 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 slash. We still use slashes because of these wonderful URLs out there. I don't even know what URL stands for. Uh, let's see who knows URL. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Fred on Twitter. I do not know what URL stands for. Jeremy Reiser, the fearless leader. He's already shaking his head no at Detroit Online. How's it going, Jeremy?
1: It's good. I, I'm glad that our, our stat boy, I can tell he's he's typing furiously to to solve this one out that I'm sure. Is he searching in Bing? Is he I, searching in Bing? We'll, we'll have to find out and wait. Um, but But yeah, I'm. I know our, our Twitch chat and probably live listeners, all the nerds out there are yelling at their their podcasts.
0: I, I use that term affectionately, Ryan. Don't don't give me that look. Ryan Matthews. The at Ryan underscore POD. What did uh, Bing, Google, Ask Jeeves, whatever you use, AltaVista? What did it turn up? What What does URL stand for?
2: Uh, well, as our good friend, uh, Wisco Lion fan mentions, it's universal Ryan locator. Ryan. Yeah. So, <laughs> which it's is Andrew, You found me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's Andrew Cotto. That's how that, he's the universal Ryan locator. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. You're plugged Perfect. into a wall. He knows exactly where you are right now.
2: Couldn't be any more frightened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is approaching your house with pizza.
2: My life hangs in the balance, as does all of yours. So, welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. <laughs> Weirdest opening we've ever had. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, what's also hanging in the balance is some interesting news with the uh, coach, with the coaching staff, and uh, we're going to talk about it right now. Do you want to start with uh, who may or may not be leaving yet? Because I think I know he's at the at the tail end of it. But I just real quick update on uh, Aaron Glenn. I know I'm going out of order, Jeremy, so forgive me, but uh, news came out this weekend that Aaron Glenn is out from the Cardinals job. The Cardinals are zeroing in. They're kind of on, I think, their last wave, Jeremy, and Aaron Glenn is not one of the finalists from what we understand. Yeah, um... he is. Oh, go on.
1: Well, yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, there are obviously only two vacancies left, the Cardinals and the Colts, and, and Glenn was a, a candidate for both. Um, it's, there were kind of conflicting reports whether he was going to get a second interview with Arizona. Um, Joe Cian Anderson said there was still interest, um, whereas uh, I think it was Albert Breer maybe who said um, right now there are only two candidates, and then uh, apparently on Sunday – They they started letting some coaches know who aren't in the final mix, and Aaron Glenn was one of those. So, yeah, like you were about to go into there. I think Uh, he still remains a candidate for the Colts job, but anyone who's been paying attention to that coaching search will tell you that doesn't mean anything right now, because just about, like, I think I might be a finalist for that Colts job still.
0: No, there there is at (laughs) least seven people who have been called back for a second interview. And while it's not being reported by anyone among the Indianapolis Colts press I know, I know national sources was talking about, and I think it was the ringer who had it that word from around the senior bowl, which has become the senior bowl has become a lot less, as we've talked about a little bit off stream, Jeremy, a lot less about the draft there and more about reporters seeming to use it for, as a meet and greet. But the, 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 the latest scuttlebutt out of this, out of mobile this weekend was that, uh, Jim Ursay really wants an excuse to bring Jeff Saturday back.
1: Not surprising at all. (laughs) No, but I I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess I, my, my, I mean, if we, if we want to go back to our, our DEFCONs, I think I'm, I'm, I'm below a DEFCON five at this point. Um, Just like he is a finalist. Like there's, he's probably one of seven that, that are going to get that job and maybe it's him, but I feel like this just this isn't his time right now. Like he he's coming off an okay year. I think those of us inside of Detroit understand and, and can put into context some of the quote unquote bad defensive performances last year. But it's gonna be a tougher sell nationally. And I think Ursay is the kind of guy that probably cares about public perception more than he should. And so I'd be very surprised if if Glenn
2: gets a job, but it's not out of the, the realm of possibilities. I think even the <laughs> The Colts writers are getting tired. Oh, they're I can only imagine. Is. Like, like I saw Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. He was like, The Colts are four weeks into their coaching search. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: Well, it's got to be hard, too, because I'm sure one of the guys for these remaining jobs, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, nobody can like talk to him right now because he's in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, like, and I know that's been another big name. So I'm sure that's going to. We're going to have to keep waiting on these two jobs if either of them care about Shane or if there's someone if maybe there's the outside chance someone really cares about someone from the chief's uh, staff. I think the Eric, Bienemy star has faded completely at this point, but <laughs> you, you never know. The, the
1: frustrating part on my end is is that this is just dragging on so long. Right. And, and if if Glenn somehow lands that job, that means, well, OK, we've had all this time where we could have been searching for a defensive coordinator to replace him and. And, and didn't have that time. So it, it, it's not good to be that late in the, in the draft process or way the,
0: behind the eight ball at that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Point. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen that way. I mean, I'm I obviously, I'm, I hope for the best for Aaron Glenn. I don't think necessarily Lindy landing in Indianapolis is, is the best for him anyways. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating to, to see this process play out as long as it is. But I, like I said, I, I don't have a lot of worry that, that Glenn is, is gone.
0: Well, there was one coach the Lions had to replace one of a particular importance, not not a coordinator, but Deuce Staley. Um, Lions have allowed Deuce Staley to leave the organization. Jeremy, yeah. um, I, I think that's that. How how did that work? So it's like they he had a contract, but they decided to, like, let him go so he could explore this uh, opportunity with the uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Um-
1: Obviously, sometimes we, we don't really know what Deuce Staley's role is going to be at with the Panthers, but it seems like at best it's going to be a lateral move. It's probably probably going to be a a, a slight downstep. It doesn't look like he's going to get the OC job. I'm not sure if they've officially hired one or not, but it sounded like he wasn't going to be the OC there. Um, but yeah, like obviously the the reasoning for it, you know, he wants to take care of his his mother who's going through some health issues. Carolina, I think I think she lives in South Carolina or North Carolina. I'm not sure which one. So he's going to be mm-hmm. close. Um, And, and yeah, like, he obviously approached the Lions like, hey, I want to be here, but there are more important things right now. Um, I don't want to take my foot out of coaching. This is kind of the perfect opportunity for me where I can be close to my mom. I can keep my my head in the coaching game as well. And so you want to give the Lions credit, right? Um, I I can't imagine there's an organization out there that would be like, no, you can't do that. Like, we want you here. But maybe there is. Um, I'm glad that the Lions – aren't in that category and it's an unfortunate, it's a, it's a, it's a big loss. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys kind of give your thoughts on how big of a loss it is. And I know we'll talk about his replacement who got hired today, or at least the, the report dropped today, but um, I don't know. Uh, let's talk to you, Ryan. What, what are your thoughts on losing Deuce?
2: Yeah, I know that, you know, the, the folks over at Honolulu Blues, they had a chance to talk to Taylor Decker and Taylor Decker talked a little bit about yeah. the impact that, you know, Deuce Saley had, on the organization in terms of, you know, the, the, the smiles, the laughs, the tears, the whole gamut of emotions that, that ran with uh, with the players and Deuce Daly. And, you know, the way that he talked up DeAndre Swift, I mean, he was one of his biggest, uh, you know, he was one of his biggest coaches in terms of supported him, but also probably ran him pretty hard too. At the same time, you know, he was, he was big on saying that he could be the best Running back in the NFL at one moment and then the other moment you'd see him on the sideline losing his mind, you know, <laughs> apoplectic because he didn't, you know, he didn't hit a hole or he didn't cut something up or he didn't do something. And um, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a big task to replace a guy who seemingly is as big in terms of his personality and his, you know, uh, kind of his aura in Detroit. Yeah, even if you
0: were someone who just dropped in for something like hard knocks, like the fact that they went to him as kind of this vocal icon of the offensive side of the ball and how much he worked with DeAndre Swift and everything else that he was this. I don't want to say character. I feel like that downgrades it. But he was definitely a leader presence in that locker room in for that entire offensive side of the team. And, you know, we even talked we talked with him several times here okay. uh we talked. we had him on the podcast, and uh yeah, just the the energy he brought, be it you know, talking about how much he still misses being able to be on the field or going after Jeremy's mustache, you can feel it yeah and uh yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a loss. I am very fascinated by his replacement, uh Scotty Montgomery, yeah, so uh I remember Scotty, I think last. I had heard from him when he was the East Carolina head coach. Not great times there. A straight three and nine record all three years that he was there. But I think he's 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 been having some notable stops along the way. He's been with the Steelers, a wide receivers coach. He was coaching running backs for the Colts last couple of years, which means that he was coaching Jonathan Taylor. Which is intriguing.
1: (laughs) I'm 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 through the roof with this hire. I don't I don't think they could have gotten it any better, honestly, um, mm-hmm. this is a guy who got interviewed for offensive coordinating jobs last year. He's a guy who's been a head coach. He's been a quarterbacks coach. He's been a wide receivers coach. He's been a running backs coach. Um, he's been on the up and up in that Colts organization for the past two years. And, uh, as far as I understand, he almost got the offensive coordinator job when they fired the offensive coordinator mid season last year. Um, I, I don't like. As, as a one-for-one one replacement, I, I don't think they could have gotten anyone closer to Deuce. And I don't know if his coaching style is, is necessarily going to be the same, but when you we, if you're coming with the pedigree of the guy who helped Jonathan Taylor get to the the league leader in 2021 in, in rushing yards and, and rushing touchdowns and, and really just a, a good – I mean, Naheem, Naheem Haim's another good back out of that group. And, and sure, a lot of that is offensive line and, and, and just talented guys, but um, – I don't know, like a, another former player, he played wide receiver at the, in the NFL. And actually, when he was the Steelers wide receivers coach, do you know who one of his wide receivers were?
2: I'm guessing it's probably Antoine Randall. Else. It sure was.
1: Yeah. So another weird situation where we have a uh, a pair of coaches where one coached the other, the other uh, in, in one of those times. So I I think this was a, a great hire. And, and again, like Dan Campbell, like this is another notch in his belt of. He can like if you lose if if this team continues to have their coaching staff picked apart, it's hard not to have confidence that that Campbell is going to go and find a guy who has a good resume, and and even you know the reports when when it dropped was that he chose the Lions. Like there were several other teams interested in bringing him in. So again, another big win for Dan Campbell, and obviously we have to wait and see the results play for themselves. But again, I, I in terms of a guy that is experienced, in terms of a guy who's had success in multiple places and a guy who can fill in multiple roles and maybe be on that track to be an offensive coordinator. If, if Tanner isn't your guy, I think, I think it was a great hire. Great hire.
2: I I think the only, I, I just want to say real quick. I think the only like sicko part of me that I'm so glad that Ben Johnson's back. I didn't want Ben Johnson to go anywhere, but like, there's just this curiosity of like what Dan Campbell would have done because I agree with you, Jeremy, like Scotty Montgomery, great hire. You know, in terms of his resume, in terms of some of the things that he's done as a positions coach, uh, you know, as Chris alluded to, you know, head coaching career in East Carolina, not great. But I think if we've learned anything from coaches, whether they're coordinators or they're head coaches or assistant coaches, whatever they may may be. You might be good at something, but not be good at something else, you know, what? and and it seems like Scotty Montgomery is a pretty solid positions coach, uh, you know, but. There's just part of me that's like, I, I wonder what the Lions would have done. Like, I'm so curious to know what that would have been. But maybe I'll I'll have that wish granted next year, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, I think I'll think it'll be fascinating because I feel like, you know, in this age of where coaches are coming from past of being coordinators and Dan isn't coming from a past of being a coordinator. I think that allows more flexibility and just, you know, you talk about identity for teams. Lions, I think they have an identity, but it's not that. Oh, it's because their coach is offensive-minded or their coach is defensive-minded. It's just more of a holistic identity. So, I'm curious to see that more tested, tried at some point in the future. But yeah, I think to Jeremy's point, like you lose someone like Deuce, and you're able to have a contingency in mind, or at the very least, you're able to go out and recruit a contingency.
2: Yeah, and so it's you know what what you just said too, Chris, made me think of Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. I remember when he talked about. You know, first getting into coaching, it was Bill Parcells that was like, "No, like you're going to go into scouting. That's yeah. where you're going to start." Mm-hmm. Um, so you get this, you know, wide array of experiences and and can kind of build on those things. So, you know, you become a tactician of, of many many different um, fields. Right, so, and and, yeah.
1: and that's definitely true of Montgomery too, because it's and he wasn't just the the head coach at ECU, but he became the offensive coordinator at Duke. He became the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Maryland. So he he's he knows the offense. He knows that side of the ball kind of through and through. And so, again, like, if there needs to be a guy who steps up as an interim offensive coordinator or, or whatever, pass game coordinator, whatever, like, he has a, a thorough understanding of that side of the ball. And the one interesting thing that to kind of keep in the back of your mind come draft time, and you might like this, Chris, a lot of people in the Colts organizations said that part of the reason he got hired there was because they considered him an expert at RPO.
0: RPO, baby. So maybe
1: a mobile quarterback in the future?
2: Oh, I, th- I thought you were suggesting <sighs> maybe Jared Goff running RPO. No, nope, that's like, not at all God. what was interesting. <laughs> my God. Nope. Nope. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> oh, God.
0: It's happening. Uh, One last bit of coaching news, and then we'll move on. So I think on this podcast, we're going to be d- giving you your offseason primer. I forgot to tease that at the start. But uh, one last bit of note. Uh, I think this is the last piece that we needed to fill out the coaching staff again, Jeremy. Uh, Cornerbacks coach. And that has turned, the Lions have turned to, again, former NFL player. uh, And actually, former Detroit Lion. Yes, sir. Dre Bly. Former Pro Bowl Don- Lions quarterback. Corner um, cornerback. Corner, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, three years with the Rams, three years of the Lions, two years of the Broncos, a year with the 49ers off season again with the Lions. And as of late, he was coaching for about three years at North Carolina.
1: Yeah. His alma mater, obviously. Um, I don't know. This is, a, this is a fun hire. It was fun when the news kind of, kind of came down the pike. I think a lot of us our age and, and older knew Dre Bly and, and was probably one of our f- favorite players in the, in the early to mid two thousands. And so cool to see him come back and, and cool to see him like post a bunch of pictures on his social media of him when he was a player. Um, I, I, I think the, the jury is very much out on him in terms of talent as a coach, um, because listen, obviously you, you're, you already got a, a step ahead of a lot of people. If you've succeeded at the NFL level at that position, you, it means you know how to play the position that said, there's a lot of diff- I mean, there's a huge difference, right, between being able to do and being able to teach. I'm sure. I'm sure Ryan, as a teacher, can can speak a little bit to that. And the results at UNC were not good. Um, I think. I think we don't need to beat around the bush there. Their defense was bad. Their their secondary was bad. The question is how much of that is Dre Bly's fault. How much of that is how different will his job be working with NFL players instead of college players? And so I don't know, like this is this is one that I'm psyched about. I'm not I'm not too concerned about the history, but I don't know. I, I, I'm also not completely disregarding it either.
2: I I think what has me encouraged about this hire is the again, kind of the uh, I don't want to say shelter, but kind of, you know, the system that he's being put into where he has coaches like Aaron Glenn and yeah. he has Brian Duker and he has some of these other guys who, you know, have walk the walk in the NFL so to speak. I mean as a as a secondary coach, um Aaron Glenn was pretty damn good in New Orleans. I I think he I think he's got his cornerbacks down pretty pretty well. Let's get some talent there and uh we'll see how how this defense can play as as a whole, but again, I I think he has uh he has some people around him who can kind of you know, help him improve a, as a coach. I I will be fascinated to see how he
0: does coaching in the pros versus Coaching with talent that someone like Mac Brown recruits. Let's go with that, right? Because that is, I mean, you mentioned, you know, how it's not great at North Carolina, but I think that goes above him, and that's just, just, you know, he's been on Mac Brown's staff for for a for basically the entire time there, right. and I don't know. I, I keep in, I keep abreast of North Carolina football, but. It's not exactly a program that has ever really had defensive success, anyway.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Ryan brings up an interesting point there too about like getting a guy that you can kind of mold as a head coach or not not as a as a position coach, right? A Mm -hmm. guy that's that's still pretty green to the position. And while I think I think that's smart and probably part of the reason for the hire, it's you're also kind of at a position here though where it's like. The Lions are going to be really young at the cornerback position, and you don't want to miss and that And probably going to draft coach. one. Yeah, probably going to draft one, and it's their weakest spot on the roster right now, and so you need to make sure that hire works out. And so there, there is an inherent risk here, but the one thing you, you you can definitively say about Bly in the positive is that he's going to work his ass off because he, he very clearly cares about this franchise, cares about the organization, cares about the position, and he knows the position. And so that's I mean that's a great place to start right mm. a motivated coach who's who's young he can connect with the players because he's been a former player and he knows the position he just I mean again there's there's uh, there's still that disconnect that that he needs to prove though where he can he he is able to communicate he is able to teach at an effective level and and that's just we we have to wait and see at this point with that
0: we will wait and see we'll also put a pin on the defense because today So we'll get you everything you need to know about the offense this week. And that includes going through stuff like free agency, drafting, looking over the roster itself, what could be upgraded where and whether that should come from free agency. The draft, if there's anyone you want to keep, throw away, whatever. But we'll bring that to you next. But first... We got to let you know about, as we always do here in a segment that gets, it, it's, I say segment. It's, this is supposed to be a live read. It is becoming a segment. And I don't like that it's becoming a segment. But the Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by, you guessed it, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions and fuels the POD cast, too. There's always jerky somewhere.
1: You know what I got, Chris? What you got? I've got the the most highly anticipated, sought after flavor of righteous felon jerky. And Ryan, I, I don't mean to do this to you, but I'm about to crack open some foul Capone, the gobble, turkey jerky. Gobble.
0: I like how on your green screen that it looked almost rainbow colored because it's green, so it's. Going right through all the different colors of your of I'm your sorry. OBS background. Yes. You know what all those colors means? It means that that bag has it's a two ounce bag of, of jerky and it has 16 to 20 grams of protein. They also sell meat sticks, Ryan. Eight
2: yeah, grams. I, I was going to say, I remember they have eight grams of protein. You remember those this meat time. sticks? That's a lot. It is a lot.
0: I might have eaten all of my habanero meat sticks after like two or three meat fueled nights of frenzy and debauchery. Look the at this things
2: are cool. I'm more of a jerky guy, though. Like, Look at this. It, yeah. it, this isn't this isn't necessarily a visual medium. But you can feel the flavor from our voices. Hmm.
0: And you know why that is? Because Righteous Film is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using all natural Black Angus beef and prize themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors and guess what we've got a promo code for you too as jeremy shows off the turkey jerky the foul capone the basil go to righteousfelon.com and use pod 15 you get 15 percent off your order you can get a variety pack you want to try out different things or just stock up on your favorite things and trust me it's going to beat anything you're going to find at a gas station probably in price too so with our promo code definitely in price pod 15 at righteousfelon.com we'll be right back
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: Right, Detroit PODcast, and now we get into our primer. We've been working on this for a minute, and we've been sitting here talking about what are we going to do with free agency still about a month away, and Jeremy has always been of the mind that we got to get through free agency before we get too deep in the draft talk. And considering what happened during the break where Jeremy fought with literally the entire chat about Bijan Robinson, I am now inclined to agree with him. <laughs> I've lost a lot of brain cells. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's fun, as always. Anyway, we're going to do these offseason primary. We split this in two. We're going to run down the roster. And we're first going to start with the offense this week. And I, I think this, Jeremy, this is kind of – we set this up in mind as like we're going to go through like contracts, guys who are on on contract right now, guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents, what might be lost in the offseason, what probably needs to be replaced, what could absolutely use upgrades or any positions just fine, um, yeah. backups, starters – things of that nature and all always for any kind of replacements. Do you do that mostly through a trade through free agency or through the draft? Cause those are different approaches. Th- those have different implications on how you replace them as well. You know, draft is right. for long term, whereas free agency is you're striking while the iron's hot right now, or you're taking a flyer on someone. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and in general, you want to kind of do both, right? You never, yes. I, I say that's every year, but you never want to go into the draft with glaring needs. Um, so so a lot of these things, when we look at these rosters and, and say, well, they only have one person signed for next year. They only have two people. Sign- They're going to sign people in free agency, but they also might hit on it with draft. And they, you know, they could just do a place filler in free agency and then hit on the draft or, or vice versa, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's start and we'll go down all the positions here for offense. And I guess we start with quarterback. Yeah. And it's everyone's favorite uh, conversation. Let's set Jared Goff aside for right now and just talk about backup. Well,
1: he's the only one signed, right? Jared Goff is the only only one signed under contract.
0: And I think he's done enough this year to show that at least for the short term, he's your quarterback of the future. I'm not completely ruling out the Lions draft a developmental guy, maybe in this draft. But I don't think it'll be in the first round at all. I'd be shocked if it's in the first round at all. I'm... I'd be shocked if they draft one this year to begin with. I don't think like Jared Goff represents a long-term vision for the Detroit Lions. Good. Right now had a good had has had a good year and a half and shown you a lot. But, you know, I think we can set aside the starters safely. So I guess the question on backup is where does the backup come from? Are there any free agents out there, Jeremy, that entice you? Uh, can I interest you in someone who is available? Let me make sure I get this name right. Very hard to pronounce the name. Um, Tom Brady. No.
1: Um, well, uh, first there, there has to be kind of like a phys- philosophical discussion, I think, because the Lions have not treated the backup quarterback position very importantly. You know, they haven't taken it very seriously. Essentially, you know. I, I think they did think Tim Boyle would be someone that he wasn't, um, but clearly that didn't work and they moved on. So do they, in, I mean, do you guys want them to invest significant money in a backup? And I'm not talking 10 million a year, but like they've been doing what the two, three, 4 million a year for guys. Would you guys be up to spending five, six for, I, I mean, looking at this, it's
2: like, like a Sam Darnold. I am like, I think the lions are, they're, inching their way right towards being in a position where they're going to be competitive yeah, and they're going to compete for divisions and they're going to compete for titles and and things like that. And the rise and if things all go accordingly or all all things go all according to plan. But I I think at this point, I'm kind of over the Tim Boyle, Nate Sudfeld, just (laughs) the, the very definition of a guy who, Hey, If your team's on your backup quarterback, there's not much of a chance to begin with. I think there are very few guys in the league, though, that you can turn to and say, I I can trust this guy to to keep things afloat for a short period of time. Like and it's funny to, like, say some of those names, but like Jacoby Brissett. okay, he's he's a guy who you could trust to, you know, keep things afloat or maybe even a stretch might be Andy Dalton. Okay. Yeah. You don't want the, you don't want these guys playing for, you know, months, you know, they, they might be able to step in at a pinch play for a week or two. Do I think it's a top priority for the lions of This season, probably not. I think I'm more of the, I think I'm more in the camp of draft a guy. I don't, I don't really care where you draft him. Um, so to speak, because if you want to draft a guy, and get him ready to be the successor to Jared Goff, if that guy's in the first round, go ahead and go for it. Yeah. If, the, if if that guy is in the, the you know fourth or fifth round because that's the kind of developmental prospect, I'm fine with that route too. Um, you can draft a guy too who could maybe turn into a backup in general
0: too. You'd maybe not have high hopes for him. Maybe there is like one universal timeline where he becomes a great player, but in most timelines he will end up like a Colt McCoy. Or a or a Jacoby Brissett, just someone who's like you're talking about Ryan, good to play for a month, but not for months, plural.
1: I and I I kind of like the idea of of someone like an Andy Dalton, like someone who's been around that you doesn't have to have a, a, a lot of coaching. He he knows how plays are run. He he knows terminology from a whole different, a whole a whole bunch of different uh, schemes. And to me, I, I think you also have to point out Detroit's a pretty good place for a backup with experience to just slip in and succeed, right? And I'm not, I'm not talking about a guy throw for 300 yards and, and four touchdowns every week, but I think a veteran backup can come in here and pretty seamlessly work the offense to a, a manageable level, right? I mean, you have a good offensive line, you have offensive weapons, you have... Quality running and Johnson. You have Ben Johnson, and so yeah, I, I I think this offense is set up for the quarterback to succeed, and and I mean we, we saw Jared got, have a, a, a essentially a career year, and so who's to say that? I, I, I and I hate to keep going back to Andy Dalton, but I just think he's a really good example. Like, I'm not gonna say there's a resurgence in his career, but I think he looks. I I think he could very much look like he's a capable starting quarterback in Detroit. I know he's
0: 36 though, or 35. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. I don't know. Everyone likes Gardner. Man. I'm a big um, Teddy Bridgewater proponent. We know this, oh, but we've, we've always known this. I mean, you yeah. and I are kind of Teddy truthers here. Yeah. Bridge over Troubled Waters.
2: <laughs> running troubled back. Waters include the running back position, Chris.
0: Yes, it does. And there's a lot to be done here because DeAndre Swift remains on contract, but I think there is doubts... And we can go back to Jeremy's philosophy about running backs in general, about how productive he's going to be long term. I, I Would you consider this year a success for DeAndre Swift, Jeremy, or just kind of business as usual?
1: No, this was definitely not a successful season for him because his biggest yeah. question was to stay healthy. And again, he didn't. He was hampered yeah. for at least half the year, if not
0: more. And that leads us to... there there, i think there's two questions then in the running backs beside even even past well like three and it's it's almost completely down the entire rb core ryan first is what do you do about deandre swift and do you need to seek out a replacement not quite a feature back i don't think there is such thing as a feature back but the part of that equation is and the second question is jamal williams do you resign him because he's clearly, I mean, that that answer for me is an unequivocal yes. He's clearly not just a heart and soul of the team, but also a very, you know, capable producer of north-south yardage and works well behind the offensive line with Ben Johnson does. But then everyone past Jamal Williams on the depth chart was okay this year, but nobody was great. And the Lions turned over a lot of people. They looked at Justin Jackson. They looked at several other players justin jackson i think came out ahead of a lot of them but not enough where i feel like anyone's committed on rb3 or even an rb4 on this roster or what that even looks like right now
2: yeah and well i mean if if we're going to talk about how the lions kind of approach these things whether they're going to go through free agency or go through the draft even if you're looking to got even if you're looking for a guy who could potentially be that guy you draft and bring in to eventually become a feature back i think that guy could be here in the draft because there's like nine running backs that are in the top 100 right now i know one of them is Bijan robinson probably too rich for the lions right but i think that the lions can viably move forward with the picks that they have in in you know on day two and, and day three i think that they could get a running back that could be serviceable um maybe somebody that they can bring along slowly because i do i mean deandre swift is gonna be here and i think i think the other thing is that you have to you have to assume that jamal williams is gonna be back jamal williams can't not be back right jeremy
1: it'll be interesting i i don't know i, I obviously that's the first part of the equation, and the the, the... The main question there is, how much are you willing to pay for him? Because he's what was a two-year, six million dollar deal or something like that. Um, So he's he's going to command more money. He's going to command four or five million a year. Are you willing to spend that much for him? Are you willing to spend that much on the position? they're they're not spending a lot of it elsewhere. DeAndre Swift is two point seven million. Is his, the final year on his rookie deal, so it's not a ton. And and you are spending you're almost spending as much on, on Jason Kabinda. Honestly, he's about two and a half against the cap. Then you have to decide on on like Chris was saying, all those backups. Justin Jefferson's not signed. Craig Reynolds is an exclusive rights free agent, so he can be back on a very cheap deal. Jamar Jefferson is back on a very cheap deal. So you're not spending a lot of the position. So you theoretically could, and I, I think they will, um, but. You never know what the should energy. they, but should they is, is, is a is a fair question to ask, and I I'd be surprised if they didn't, and I'm fully on board with them giving him like a two year, eight million, eight and a half million, maybe even nine million dollar deal, maybe backloaded a little bit, um, so he has to earn it. But he's a heart of the team, he's a, an effective runner, um, he's a, a good role model both on and he's off durable. the field, and he's durable, he's durable, yes. dependable. Yeah. Yes, hundred percent. And so then the question is. What do you do with everything else? And I think the Lions are in a position where, yeah, they could draft a guy, or yeah, they could pass on drafting a guy, because you have DeAndre Swift. For the, if they run it back with this running back crew that they had this year, I'm perfectly okay with that.
0: Because running, I back, do think they need to do they need to do something outside of Williams and Swift, though. They need to they need to resolve so. that. Like, I mean, but I, who's who's the guy who really stood out between Jackson Jefferson? Jackson like, was your I, kick returner. Bring him back. It's fine. Okay. Like, okay. I, 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 I'm i honestly running back the
1: entire crew totally OK with. I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but running back does eventually need to be addressed. Like, if, if you're not drafting one this year, you have to next year. And you never want to be in a position to have to do it. So, yeah, do it now if you want. If, if your guy isn't there when you're on the clock, don't. Just for, for the love of God, don't trade up for one. Please don't trade up for one.
2: So, so that's, I guess, from my perspective is if the Lions take a step next year, right, and we're talking about all these teams that take luxury running backs no, towards the end of the first round. I would rather the lions invest this year in a guy and a day two, maybe, you know, a day three guy that they can bring along slowly now so, and have that, per, that player be RB three. And then, Hey, if Swift doesn't have a healthy season again this year, well then you already have your guy. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair.
1: And yeah, my, my only retort to that would, would just be like, Running backs can step in right away. So if you if you have to wait till next sure. year, sure. Um, but yeah, you would have a better backup plan in case Swift doesn't work out, which. Given the history, probably probably won't work out for a full 17 game. So it's a, it's a good point.
0: Right. Uh, tight end. This one is fascinating to me. For several reasons. Uh, the Lions obviously traded away TJ Hawkinson, and they made it work this year with Shane Zylstra and Brock Wright. But I guess I I just don't see how that is the future moving forward. I don't think they spend a premium price. Or they need to spend, I should say, a premium price at tight end. I think unlike a lot of our NF, other NFL teams, they value tight end blocking very heavily, Jeremy. Yep. As evinced on how many times they brought in six offensive linemen sets in place of a tight end to do blocking. Yeah. Now, obviously it's it's set up well to to for pass catching for tight ends too. They they like the short yardage, but I think a lot of that is taken by St. Brown as far as like, you know, slot receiving, but you probably still want a good receiving threat as a tight end, but they're looking for a guy who's going to be the two way player at tight end. Right. Um, I don't know if there's anyone in free agency right now that fits that mold. In the draft, there's someone like Michael Mayers out of Notre Dame who might as a first round grade too rich for the lion's blood. I know I saw at least one person take him obscenely high at like six. I think that person was like a Notre Dame alum who was a writer who wrote that. So not biased at all there, but there's, I think there's also the tight end coming out this year from Iowa again, TEU as they've established themselves. So I, I I guess the question is, are the lions fine with their core? Could they continue to tinker around the edges with less, expensive free expensive free agents or will they invest and find someone in the draft here it's
1: a tough question to answer um because everyone on the team right now is is so young and and mid-development right um brock wright and shane zilster are both exclusive right free agents which basically means they're going to be back on on minimum deals and i think both of them Mm. did a good enough job last year to come back on those cheap deals james Mitchell is, is is the ultimate question mark right you you invested in that guy you think He has potential. You drafted him. Um, Coming back from the injury, we didn't get to see a lot of his full potential. Definitely more of the receiver type, but I think he was underrated as a blocker in college. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to see what that develops into. And I don't know. I don't know what the Lions view his ceiling as. Is he their tight end one potential? I mean, next year he might be, but I don't know if they view him as like he's going to be our main tight end. I don't know if, he, if he's reached that level of trustworthiness. Mean, he hasn't reached that level of trustworthiness yet, but maybe he's done stuff behind the scenes where the coaching staff has seen that potential. I don't know. Brock Wright, I thought, had a good year, but none of these guys were fantastic as blockers. In fact, I would say both of all of them were probably average to below average. But you see the, what, eight touchdowns they had after TJ Hawkinson was traded, and I think a lot of people get a little distracted by that. Um, Especially considering, like, I don't—we're talking about games in which they'd have two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. You know, they're not having huge impact on the games, but I I just think I think Ben Johnson did a good job scheming some of those guys open, right? I don't know. I don't know how much of them was was crisp route running and and things like that. So, I—long story short, there's a lot of unknowns here, and I think the Lions would be wise to add a little bit more of a known subject. Um, whether that's in free agency or whether that's, yeah, like a, a second or third round investment in the position I'm not against at all.
2: Yeah. I, I think the important question, the million dollar question is what does this team want their top tight end to do? you know what I mean? And I think we pretty much got the answer when they traded TJ Hawkinson. They, they don't need a pass catcher in the slot. They they don't need a Mike Gusecki. They don't need, you know there, there's a lot of guys around the league that are of that breed of tight end that hey, they're just pass catchers, they're really not blockers. I think that's what Detroit's looking for, and that's why this conversation to me always comes back to Jason Kabinda because I think that's really the position that they can stand to upgrade. Like, I mean, spade is spade, Kabinda didn't play that much last season due to injury, and when he did, eh, it was okay, it wasn't great. Like, I think that if they could if they could draft a guy to take over, excuse me, take over that role, it could be a tight end. And I just don't know where those tight ends typically go in the draft. Typically not in the first round. Yeah, but but no, and it's, it's, it's hard too, because it's, it's
0: not something that really gets picked up by, you know, I think us as fans pick up on as far as blocking capabilities is a lot more subjective and a lot harder to scout is how well are you going to be? And a lot of that also has to do with your size and your growth as well. Like you kind of have to grow into being a blocker a little bit. That's a tight end. Yeah. But I, a- I agree with Ryan in that, like the top options out there in free agency, like Aseki, Schultz to even maybe Tunyon jr. Like those aren't appealing at all to the lions.
1: No, I, and I just, I do think though, that we, we talked about, you know, we've talked plenty of times on this podcast about how the running game kind of fell off in the second half of the season and I'm not blaming the tight ends directly for that because obviously it was mostly the same tight ends and it's not like okay. Hawkinson was blocking his ass off when he was here either. But, I mean, let, let's call a spade a spade. Like, this team's offensive coordinator comes from a tight ends background. Its head coach comes from a tight ends background. They would love a tight end that can put people on their ass in the run game. They would benefit a lot from a tight end who can put people on their ass in the run game. They The reason they've used... A six offensive line, and it's usually not a good one so often, is because I don't think they had full trust in this tight end group in blocking their ass off in the run game. So man, Josh Hill. What could have been Right? (laughs) They need it, they need a Josh Hill. Real bad. Um Uh, and and uh, so I I I think draft is probably I don't have a guy specifically in the draft that I'm circling for that, but I I would not be surprised to see them invest as high as a, a day two pick on the position.
0: It might be a deep year for, for tight end. We'll see. Um, we'll have to move a little quickly on this. So wide receivers. I think this is the one place where the Lions are pretty good. The only question is what to do with DJ Shark. From what I understand, though, like Shark is very happy with Detroit. And I think, Jeremy, do you think Detroit is happy with Shark?
1: It's a tough one. I think I've talked about this a couple times in the mailbag. This is a real big toss up for me, um, because obviously you have to question what his role would be here. Considering you, you have to imagine Jameson Williams is, is your number one wide receiver out of the gate next year. I think mm-hmm. that I think I'd imagine that's the plan. And so you have Josh Reynolds, you have Amon Ra, you're you're, you're happy with with guys like Khalif Raymond. All these guys are still under contract. Um, even even Cephas is technically still under contract. So you're not you're not in a bad shape in terms of your starters. You're not in a bad shape in terms of your depth. So where does DJ Chark fit in? Because he's a guy that's probably going to still. Cost you seven, eight, nine million a year. He got ten million a year last year, and I don't, I don't, I, I guess you could say he probably w- was under expectations because the injury knocked him out for for as long as it did. So I don't know. Are you willing to spend eight million a year, maybe for one or two years, to turn your we're, good Lions receiver are spending into a, a great one?
0: The Lions are not spending a lot on the cap right now at sure. wide receiver. However with someone like Jamison Williams, that could, that number could go up pretty quickly as the you know
2: sliding scale on a rookie contract goes there. But what do you think, Ryan? I would love to see shark back. And I think the reason why you can get him on a very similar deal, I, I certainly don't think that you can get him on anything more than what the Lions signed him for last off season, right? Like the one question he needed to answer was, can you play a full season? He did not answer that question. Right. Um, like, so yeah, just probably not the way he wanted it. To. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh. I, but I, I would love to see shark back because I think that when he, when he is playing, when he is on the field, he's damn good. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know Jameson Williams came back last year, but when, when shark was on that field, he was the second best pass catching option that the lions had. And yeah. it's interesting. Cause he, he was on that,
1: podcast with with the st browns i'm on his brother Equinemius. and you know he he talked glowingly of detroit and and the coaching staff and and he obviously has a close relationship with the players there but i think one of the more interesting parts of the podcast was him talking about his relationship with jared goff and how they just weren't on the same page early in the season and 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 he he's gone through it was crazy listening to him talk he's been through like six or seven offensive coordinators already in his career he's gone he listed off six or seven quarterbacks in the NFL who's thrown a ball and he, he knows like it takes time. And he's talking about like, yeah, you just have to learn. You, you get this feeling of when a quarterback is going to throw and where he's going to throw. And, and it took time. And so when he came back from that injury, he, like he, he said multiple times, like I knew he was going to throw that ball because he had learned kind of the tendencies of Jared Goff and, and, and what plays he liked and, and, and what routes he liked. And so there was a real, improvement in chemistry and Josh Reynolds proved how much chemistry with the quarterback matters. So bringing him back, I think in 2023, I think we see him hit the ground running more so than he did this year. But again, health is the biggest question and, and price is, is a big question here. Now, if there's anyone that also can appreciate
0: culture, it's DJ chart, right? Absolutely. He chose to come to Detroit
1: and he came from a very ugly culture in Jacksonville and was openly against it. Um, and so, yeah, I think there there is the opportunity of the, 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 the quote-unquote hometown discount, but he's also, this might be the last big contract he gets. Yeah. So he might, if that's what he values, it, it might be tough to retain him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Offensive line, what do you do at right guard? Another year without Kalapulavati Vaitai much. And it remains big question.
1: Well, yeah, let's let's start there. Vitai, he's he's scheduled to, to be twelve point four million against the cap. You can get about half of that back if you cut him. If I if I, if I held your guys' feet to the fire right now, what are you doing with that contract?
0: See, I, I feel like most of the fan base is soured completely on Vitai just because of everything Ryan likes to talk about about the best ability. Yeah. I was waiting for Ryan to jump in with the word, but clearly Pavlovian response isn't working. But I I, I think people underestimate how good he is as a player, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like at other positions, you're going to start to like this isn't the super young offensive line that this used to be like Decker and Ragnow are starting to. I'm not saying they're they're getting old, but they are starting to hit that point where we stop talking about them as young players. They are starting to talk to them more about as veterans. So for something like right guard, I almost feel like it might be worth exploring what you can do in the draft. It's harder to get an interior offensive lineman in the draft versus like a tackle. But. Uh,
2: I think the thing with Vitai is he's the exact type of player that the, the lions want i think they want one of those maulers and they want a guy who's just big and can move people especially in the run game but the back injury stuff i can't i can't do it so if my feet are being held to the fire then i i, I think i have to I have to part ways with by go, go
1: the sean dion hamilton route and cut him and say hey come back as a coach.
3: Being Hank yeah,
2: assistant head coach or assistant offensive yeah. line coach, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but this Jeremy, this is the spot where I think the Lions have their biggest glaring hole um, on offense. is is clearly on the yeah. offensive line at right guard.
1: Yeah, it it'd be nice if if you could trust Faitai. I'm with you guys. It, you, it, it's hard to trust him because I think I think he would be fully healthy. A, a very good right guard and to have, and we know he's got chemistry both on and off the field with this set of players, but 12.4 million, you just, you can't, you can't do that. And so I don't know if you restructure. I don't know if you say, Hey, you take a, take a hit, take a salary cap hit, or or we are going to cut you? But the way it currently stands, it just, it's untenable. You can't, you can't have it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think almost either way you have to draft one. I, yes. I think I think Chris Chris is right. Like they're they're spending a lot on the position already. I think I think they were top five in spending, maybe top one in spending on the offensive line last year, and it's only gonna get worse because at some point you're gonna have to re-sign Panay Sewell. This year, probably you're gonna have to pay Jonah Jackson. You're already paying a lot for Frank Rag now, you're already paying a lot for uh Taylor Decker for Taylor Decker. So it's time to get young and and reload on on, an, on a young rookie contract. And so drafting a guard, I know it's not the greatest year, but usually you can find a guard in the second and third round that are starting capable. And I think better now than, than waiting at this point. So I'm not saying cut Vitae and draft a rookie, but I'm also kind of saying cut Vitae and draft a rookie.
0: Anywhere else on the offensive line? We only got about like a minute here, but like anything else as far as like backups or any other kind of depth? Is there any place where that is uh, very important?
2: Maybe center? I think that's what Evan Brown would be best served as, right? Like, certainly not at right guard. I mean, he had an up and down season. I don't want to be too harsh on Evan Brown, but I I think last year proved that he's really good in spot duty and he's good in a pinch and, but specifically he's, he's good at center. So um, I think that that's a good spot for him. I was going to say just personally, real quick, my last thing about the offensive line and right guard, we talk about running back positional value all the time, but like, I don't think I would hate the idea of the Lions just at 18. Hey, we're gonna draft the the best guard that that's available in the draft. If if our top guy is there at eighteen, that's one of our that's probably our biggest hole on offense. Let's take the meanest, nastiest guy that we can find, and roll with it. I mean, it, it, Osiris it's, Torrance. Yeah,
1: it's it's a long term position, right? It, it offensive lineman can stay on your team for a decade, and so if you're getting a a decade long starter at right guard and he's a mauler, that's not a bad pick. Um,
0: no, it's not. It,
1: it is a little rich for the position in general, just the way that the rest of the NFL treats it. But mm-hmm. I would certainly understand that more than, let's say, running back. Um, but anyways, we don't need to get into that. The, in, in terms of depth elsewhere, like I, I do think Evan Brown is a big part of the conversation. I don't know what his priorities are, because I, I would love to see him back as a, as a backup center who can fill in at guard if you need to be. But here, here's the problem is there's no one on this team I trust after after this year. To back up any of the spots other than Evan Brown, I think. Yeah. I think Logan Stenberg is technically under contract one more year this year, but what has he done to earn a spot on the fifty-three? Nothing is the answer. And and you get penalties. Tommy Kramer, maybe he was pretty good back in the day, but back injury. Don't know what's going to happen there. Pierce Bacher, probably not coming back. Coyote Awosika technically under contract was not very good. Darren Paulo back on a futures deal. Not something you can get all that excited about. They need interior help. And honestly, they need offensive tackle help, too. Because, I mean, you look at offensive tackle. Matt Nelson
2: tackle. and Dan Skipper.
1: Yeah. Both both those guys are free agents. Matt Nelson's an irrestricted. Dan Skipper is an unrestricted. I know they like Dan Skipper a lot, but he's not that good on the field. You brought back Obina on a futures deal. Maybe maybe he developed. I mean, we don't know what's happening with Obina. It's all behind the scenes. Maybe he, he develops into a backup swing tackle. But I, I I don't know. There needs to be some sort of investment, I think, into that third offensive tackle position. Uh, because if, if Taylor Decker or Panay Sewell goes down, you currently have nothing. And so I don't know what, what level of investment are you guys looking for in that? Because it's not like there are just a bunch of decent tackles on the free agent market.
2: Right. Yeah. I, 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 just, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if they went veteran or if they drafted some guy late. Yeah, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking more drafting,
0: but I guess I'm looking for more development and more. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We it, it, should mean, wrap it?
1: It, It's just it's it's really tough, right? Because we all we all want so much depth on the offensive line and all these guys that can step in and play. Well, if those players exist; they'd be playing somewhere because there's not there's not enough good offensive linemen in the NFL. To make up all the starting lineups in, in the NFL, right? How I mean, how many NFL te- fans of NFL teams complain about their offensive line, their starting offensive line, like seventy percent? And so, and yeah, the line the line should be happy that they have four really good starters, and and hopefully they find some. I I, I think I'm with you guys. Maybe some young, developmental guys that can play in a pinch.
0: Well we'll put a pin in that and next week we'll get to do the defensive side, which is going to take us uh I don't know. Maybe we more time. This. We might need both of This segments was, this for was that a 32 one. minute segment here, so I'm <laughs> terrified about what it's gonna be next week. We might have to go back to three segments for defense. Fair. <laughs> but hey, there's a uh there's a game this weekend. You guys enjoy yourself. Parties? Question mark?
1: I don't have enough friends for parties.
2: Jeremy, tell us what a square is a Super Bowl square. (laughs) What's a Super Bowl square? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let
0: me. Yeah. For for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for (laughs) Ryan Matthews, has been the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We will see you, Starside. The Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.